could blame Reading FC for coming in cold for the championship return against Coventry at Chile Car Leasing Stadium. But thanks to Amadou Mbengue's first goal for the club and a clean sheet, the fans were given a winter warm-up and a sprinkling of Christmas cheer. Welcome to the Tyler Sen Podcast, episode 318. I'm your host, Mark Mayo. As per usual, and joining me this week for this winter warmer is Westy Alan West. How's it going, mate? Yeah, very well, thank you. Glad to be back. Thanks for inviting me. Always a pleasure, mate. Always a pleasure. And uh, yeah, always, certainly from now on, club football really is <laughs> taking back the um, taking back the emphasis in my world, at least. I don't know how uh, how you might have been watching the World Cup and stuff over the weekend, but it's uh, it's good that Reading's right here in front of us now to kind of take back the uh, take back the focus. Yeah, definitely. There's been a few good games over the World Cup. I did enjoyed the uh, Dutch game the other day. That was good, and obviously, uh, I I got some younger lads, my boys, and uh, they rung up pretty devastated when Kane blazed one over the crossbar. But um, I'm used to hurt with England and Reading, so the pain doesn't it doesn't hurt me like it used to. Let's put it that way. <laughs> yeah, no, my 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 girlfriend has been more more watching England and stuff while she's been with me, and I, I said, so unfortunately. This is England at the World Cup. This is uh, quite often how it goes. It feels like a bit of an education, doesn't it? I remember 2006 was my definitely my education in that, and 02 as well. So, yeah, we'll be talking about in- uh, Reading, though, not so much England. Um, for the next 30 minutes or so, we've got a Coventry recap coming up, bit of mailbag, bit of news bites to fill you in on what's been going on around the club, and we'll be looking ahead to Birmingham on Friday night on the telly. So let's go into the recap with a thank you to our sponsors, ZCZ Films, and our Patreon subscribers. So let's talk about Reading 1, Coventry 0. Come rain or shine, it's time to relive the latest match action with the recap. This podcast is sponsored by ZCZ Films, Reading's oldest ultras. So, Westy, in the first, you know, first half at least and such, we're all kind of getting back adjusted to club football and and Reading and seeing how, because we haven't had any friendlies to watch. I know there's been some Premier League teams who had friendlies televised and everything to get you back in the mood. But Reading, a few weeks off, no no kind of insight or glimpses as to what was going to come back from the break. What was what did you think was different about Reading um, in this game to to before the World Cup break? Well, there's one thing I'd like to mention very quickly is um, obviously Baba come back into the side from the World Cup and Loom obviously come on a bit later. And I wondered how how their mentality must change for a, a cold afternoon in Berkshire from uh, warmer climates in the World Cup and all the excitement of that. It's very it must be very difficult to um, come back and play. It must have been almost surreal, I'd have thought, for them two players. I don't know what you thought on that. Yeah, well, Hoylet as well, who's who had, had, had a really good World Cup, actually. Um, Junior Hoylet for Canada, I thought he did he did really well. And I, I do think that the the fact that the tournament was still going on would have been the big test for them, wouldn't it? Because in you know, they they could have still been there, couldn't they? That could well have been, yeah. And I've got to say it's testament to them players that they come back and put in good performances because it must have been difficult to sort of come down from that to a certain extent. Yeah, for sure. So as we get into the the first half. There's a few few Coventry chances from from range and everything. Yakumate had a header saved. Um, I mean, in terms of the goal itself, would you say that it kind of came? You know, did it come against the run of play? Maybe Coventry hit the post and Benga gets the winner. Um, it was a bit of a Javier Hernandez versus Stoke esque back header for anyone with extensive Premier League knowledge going back about six or seven years to remember that sort of goal, but. 
you know, did you, did, did you think that the goal maybe came against him on a play where Reading kind of, I think we'll all say that it was one of those that could have gone anyway, but when the goal did come, Reading, Reading, Reading the better team? Uh, do you know what? I'd, from the start of the game, I was thinking this was going to be a tight match because obviously Coventry have had a good run of recent weeks and they sort of flew up the league from where they started. Obviously, they didn't have a lot of games so they had a lot called off and uh, they had a good record up until coming to us. I don't think they'd lost away for quite some time. So um, there's obviously a team to fear. Last year, they give us good games. Um, so we knew they were more than capable. And I thought, to be fair to them, they were, they were the better side on the day. I thought they were good on the ball. Uh, their players forward, the number 10 in particular, was particularly good, I thought, on the day. Um, we kind of limited to sort of long-range shots, and I know Lumley made one or two half-decent saves, but we got a bit of luck when it hit the post, as you said. Um, there was some scrappy moments when we cleared our lines, but I will say this about Reading from probably this season, um, the change has come in that we'd lost that game in the last two or three seasons. Um, they were better than us, I thought, on the day. Um, we had some homes went off pretty early in the match. So obviously we was already worried that we've been struggling for centre backs and McIntyre probably wasn't due to well, wasn't due to start the game probably because of his fitness, but he came in and done a great job. Uh, and Bengay's been well, he's been fantastic since he's been at the club. I mean, he's been put in a number of different positions. Um, from what the club have been saying about him, that he's kind of infectious, sort of happy sort of character to have around, and it was nice to see him get a goal because I think his performances have warranted him. I don't think anyone see him as a as a starter. Um, when we signed him, but at the moment he's he's one of the first names on the team sheet. I think stats wise, he was one of the best players on the pitch, if not Reading's best player. Um, and it's nice to see him get a goal. Uh, I just thought Reading would have lost this game in previous seasons, and it was testament to him that they sort of dug in when things weren't going that well. They managed to get a goal, and as I said to you off air, it was great to see a a, a bench full of players that you wouldn't mind having on the pitch. Um, he started with Carroll, which I thought was a bit of a surprise because in general, when Carroll starts, he doesn't doesn't have the greatest of games. I think him and Maytay, a couple of times they went for the same headers. Um, so they need to work on that partnership. Uh, but when you've got Long and Jowell sat on the bench, you're, you you don't really mind someone putting in a, a less than great performance. And you know you've got two players on there that are capable of causing upset for the Coventry team. And that's exactly what they've done. Long come on, he's done what Long does. He gets in the way. Stops plays, good on the ball, um, and Jao probably didn't have, didn't do it, make a lot of impact, but you know that he's capable. Um, so it was, it's just, I just think at the moment, I think there's a lot to be looking forward to. Sar come off the bench, and if that was the first time that a lot of people had seen him, I mean, what a unit he is. That that is a defender. Do you know, he's, he's a massive presence, and I think if you can get him in the side, I just think there's nothing but good things to look forward to if you can keep people fit for the rest of the season. We're in eighth. Um, like I say, we didn't play particularly well and we got three points, which would would have never happened in the last two seasons. We'd have lost that game. And I'm I'm really buoyed for the back end of the season because players coming back, I think we have more than a good shot of being in around them playoffs. Yeah, let's talk about Amadou and Benge then. 20 years old, I think it's so hard to, to remember that when you see him play such a mature performer. He's played for Senegal under-21s. He's actually, you know, he's played over 10 games in Ligue 1, in the French top league. So it's not like, it's, it's. I suppose the only interesting one is to why he did end up at us, having obviously other teams looked at him and thought, no, let's not, for whatever reason. I guess we don't know that reason um, other than speculation, but that's fundamentally it. He's obviously under contract until January. So that's hopefully something we can sort out. But what would you say is his actual best role? Is it 
a wing back, midfielder, centre back. We've had him in for for eight games now. He's played more than fifteen minutes. One three drawn, two lost, three. Two of those losses away to Burnley and Watford. So he's got a cracking record when he's not been in the team in that stretch. 1-1, lost three. So when we put him on the bench, we don't do as well. I agree with you. I think he's got to be on the team sheet now. And with Saar back, Hutchinson could be back for Friday. You've got a really interesting look um, as to who's going to be the defenders that will start against uh, Birmingham. But where do we think Mbengue? Could he move to the... We don't really need him at wing back, but maybe even to centre midfield. Could he do a job there? Yeah, I think he's more of a central midfielder just because, I mean, it's just be down on him because I think he's been very good in the air. But I think if you've got players like Saar and Holmes and McIntyre and Dan and Yudum playing at the back there, I think he's probably best suited to playing slightly in front of them just because he's got a good engine, he gets around the pitch um, and he's a good option. And the great thing about him is he's so flexible and you, you can pretty much put him anywhere and you know he's going to give you a 7, 8 out of 10 performance. And that's been a inspirational signing really from no one knowing who he is to him sort of leaving his mark now the the key is to get him signed up for a bit longer whether they can or not we'll see but it'd be nice to to keep him here for at least the next three or four years because yeah. they're only going to make money on him aren't they he's only gonna he's only gonna be beneficial to the club's finances if you keep him for two or three seasons he carries on the trajectory he's got at the moment you can see him being a sort of six seven eight million pound player yeah, for sure. Obviously, the club is still under a transfer embargo. Everything has to be signed off by the championship. You would presume he'd want a bit more money if he's going to stay, putting him on a longer term contract. I mean, I'd be happy to do that if we're going to find that money. The thing is, if it's not, it's we know from what we've learned over this period that it's not quite as simple as saying, oh, well, if we let Cowell go, we can keep Mbengue or something. Like, it doesn't ever work that simply. So I just don't know what's going to happen with that. I think ultimately, Mark Bowen has already said, there's a few players, and I think Baba Rahman's one as well, who the club have kind of got a bit of an agreement that if a good club does come in for them, you know, Rahman's on loan, then Reading won't stand in their way to kind of hop over and, and start a fresh at, you know, let's say a, a top division club, maybe in Europe or something like that, if that's what they want. We'll have to wait and see whether that happens or not, because I think it'd be a bit of a surprise if that level of club comes in for any of our players uh, at the moment. But yeah, I think the only other thing to say about the Coventry game, from my point of view, is that the home record is really starting to pick up again now. We had a bit of a wobbly patch, started very well at home, um, but we're fourth best record at home in the league. Um, I mean, we're eighth overall as well, two points off the playoffs. We're nine points off relegation, which is the same amount of points we are off of uh, automatic promotion. So really, Reading, just with this home form alone, the, any sense of relegation, if we just know that if we pick up five more, six more wins at home out of what have we got left? 12 games. That's that, that's more than doable against the sort of opposition we're coming up with. And then after that, it's just kind of thinking, you know, if we if we get to April and we're well clear of relegation and everything, it, it entirely depends on how much we can push ourselves, how much more motivation and maybe a bit of luck we can get as to how far we go up the table. Yeah, uh, the one thing I did want to say about the Coventry game is I thought that Hendrick was very lucky to be staying on the pitch. Um, I didn't see it on the highlights, but in real time, I thought that he dragged Matty down as he went through on goal. And I thought we got a bit lucky there. But if you go back to the Burnley game, we should have had a penalty. Hopefully it evens itself out. So let's take that one as a evening out bit. Yeah, well, we have to without VAR and everything, don't we? So, um, so yeah. <laughs> I think that's Hendrick actually is the player that I think Mbenga is the biggest threat to at the moment. Um, 
perhaps you know Loom as well, whether his his position in the team will recede as defenders come back and everything. But his position is an interesting one because I think I've heard good things about Hendrick in terms of his you know leadership and dressing room and ability and everything. But um, yeah, let's see how he can uh, how he can combat the uh, introduction of another uh, bit of competition into the midfield. Right then, let's hear from Paul Ince and then we'll go into the mailbag. Listen, as I said, we're, we're, we're a team, you know, who just won't give up. And, you know, you see the fighting spirit, especially at home. It's great to see the 5,000 kids in our younger generation, you know, witness the, witness the win. Otherwise, they probably won't come back, you know what I mean, Rich? But, um, listen, we're, listen we're, we're not saying we're the finish article. You know, we're miles, we're miles away from it. But we fight, you know, and we fight and we've got, got togetherness. And the most important things I said to him, you know, this is a very good attacking side and kept into a clean sheet. Um, stood on our feet at times we didn't stand on our feet give silly feet kicks away in dangerous areas uh, but overall the 96 minutes I was really really pleased Keep up to date with all things Reading FC Follow The Tilehurst End on Facebook and Twitter Just the one question this week Westy if anyone wants to get in touch with the podcast any questions thoughts reviews of the show things you want us to discuss any feedback you're always happy to be sent in via the Twitter, the Facebook, and the email, the end at gmail.com. And we've got some, uh, well, this is a classic. I think it's kind of one, one of those consumer uh, pieces of discussion that we can have now is IPA 101 saying, why is it so terrible getting out of the stadium after a game? Um, which is probably, I mean, these sorts of things absolutely prescient on on fans' minds and everything, aren't they? As to, I mean, maybe it's not terrible, maybe it is. Let's have a have a quick chat about it. Um, what's your how? What's your general sort of arrangement to getting out? How do you find it? What What do you think could be improved at the at the Select Car Leasing Stadium? I think it's only a problem if you park in the car park, isn't it? I, I used to park in a car park. So what I do to sort of um, stay out of the way of the crowd is just go in a pub again for a little bit longer. So it's um, it's always been bad getting out of the car parks. If you're on the buses, again, I've sort of travelled there every which way but loose. And when you're on the buses, they let you out pretty quick, speedily. So that's not too bad. But I think if you bring a car to the car parking area, then obviously you're waiting there for a half hour, 45 minutes. Um, I tend to park outside of the ground and I'm home sort of half hour after the game ends. So... I don't find it a problem, but if you do park in a car park, yeah, it is a bit of an issue. Um, but there, the club are say it's health and safety issue, and that's how they justify not letting you leave straight away. So that's not going to change anytime soon. Um, so it is, it is what it is, I'm afraid. Yeah, it is. I suppose it's it's a problem for pretty much every stadium I can think of, even, you know, looking at the, the states and the, the stadiums they have in the US and they're absolutely mountains of car park either, around the stadium that that is the only way people get to it. And obviously we've got the Green Park train station, I think is open now. I don't know if the line is really there for football fans at the moment, because I've not done it myself, but that's another option, which is good. Um, and yeah, the buses, I've not, I've tended, when I'm parking at the stadium, I've always done the Greyhound track, which I would have to say, I think is a pretty decent service for the um, you know, in terms of getting out and everything, they have a, a, a lane yeah. of a dual carriageway separated off for it, which is as good as you're going to get. Yeah, um, it's much easier to park in there compared to the stadium. I agree with you there. But I think the after problem is, and always has been a problem, is is the council and whoever is in charge of these things try and push everyone into the car parks. Um, I used to park, or I do in general, park round by the old tip. And uh, obviously that was all 
easy to park in. It's only up the road, not too far to walk. But now they've WL lined it all, so they've pushed all the cars back into the car parks. Um, and that's what creates the problem. But I say, if I do park anywhere, I tend to park in the stadium, same as you. Yeah, it'll be interesting. I suppose they're looking forward um this this idea that Royal Elm Park, I think it was called, was this kind of complex of restaurants and ice rinks and bits that were going to be built around the stadium. I I think the last thing the club said on that is that it's still kind of on their agenda, although who's going to, I think the ties still own that land. So God knows, I wouldn't expect that to change anything anytime soon, but that could be an interesting factor in the next decade i guess um and the only other thing is this as i say the green park railway line that's opened up now gets you into town pretty quickly um probably a bit of a walk i don't know how rel- how often the services are if anyone has used them do give us a tweet or what have you and uh, we'll bring it up but um yeah i suppose that's only a good thing that that's come online and ultimately i mean that this yeah the car park situation is not really going to change apart from using a different car park and and being a bit more flexible hopefully the buses and everything um, they've certainly been a bit more organised in the last last few years, I think. Um, so, yeah, I think any more questions like that, do get them in. I mean, long term in the Mad so we're kind of in, in that situation where nothing really is going to change massively. That Royal Elm Park thing I mentioned is the only thing that's been discussed for a, well, probably a decade now. I remember, Westy, that every time we were in the Premier League and we talked about expanding the stadium, we got relegated pretty quickly. So, there's not too Definitely. much to that. It, it was nice that they had the school's initiative again today and this weekend. Sorry, again, it fills the ground up. I don't know why I don't do it more regularly. Um, I think they're also doing a special for the Swansea game. Is it just after Christmas? So, yeah, anything that gets more people in, in the stadium is great. So, as initiatives go, I think that's been a pretty good one. That's for car parking, like you said. It's not going to change anytime soon. So, either park outside the ground or find an alternative way to get there and home. Yeah, sure. The only th- the only thing I'd add to this is that the club. I think I think generally speaking, the club are very aware of all these things, and that ninety percent of the time it comes down to cash and the actual staff numbers at the club, which aren't very high, um, as we all know for the financial reasons and everything. So it's just kind of them being able to do what they can do, and you know the half time entertainment from you know Ben who comes on from the Tarlow end and everything coming down and going on the pitch and stuff is all very much kind of getting out what we can as opposed to kind of sitting down and, come, you know, we've got a budget to do things. That's not really how things get done at the Reading at the moment. So, yeah, we'll see how it goes. But as for the parking, I think that's the best advice we can offer for those who are maybe not finding it easy to get out of the stadium. Let's go into some news bites now. Talk about the uh, the other teams that's been playing this week for Reading FC. Stay tuned for all the latest from around the Medeski Stadium and the Championship with News Bites. Start off with the women then, um, as on Sunday night they were on the TV uh, with Chelsea, the uh, the champions of the WSL. Um, Chelsea taking a 3-0 lead in that game, Reading fighting back to lose 3-2, which, I mean, it's not much of a... Not much of a benefit, kind of obviously points wise or anything, but I think certainly something to take confidence from. A bit of a proud moment for Reading to really give a game of that and have a go at them. Emma Harris is picking up some good form as well. The young English prospect, who's probably the most interesting, talented player Reading have produced since Fran Kirby. Whether she can obviously get to those heights or not, I wouldn't expect to put that sort of pressure on her. But Reading's women's team is actually having a good period at the moment. Uh, drew with Liverpool in the WSL beforehand, beat Spurs as well, which was important, and also beat Southampton in the Conti Cup. So um, all good points in the relegation battle 
um, which is against a Leicester team, which is quite frankly miles away um, and pointless at the moment. So Reading next in action, actually against Coventry United on Friday night. That's away from home to finish off their uh, Conti Cup, the WSL group stage Um with them, that should be a should be a win, really, because they're in a lower division. Under twenty ones um, this afternoon, after this podcast is recorded, they play Sunderland in the PL Cup. They're currently second in their group with two wins and two draws. The under eighteens are out of the FA Youth Cup. They played Everton on Friday away from home, three 0 defeat, so they're out in the third round. They are currently sixth in their league, um, but they have they have had three defeats in a row now, so. Under-18s need a bit of a turnaround in their form, but yeah, unfortunately, no FA Youth Cup run this season for them. So let's go into the Birmingham game. Big match preview. Be loud and be proud and back the boys and make some noise. Come on, you ours! Shout out to this week's podcast sponsor, ZCZ Films, showing that age is no barrier to being a hooli hoop. Right then, Westy, we're eight o'clock on Friday night is a Sky Bet Championship, Sky Sports kickoff. Halfway mark of the championship, this will be the 23rd game of the season. So we're uh, officially, well, it's a bit weird that we had the mid- mid-season break, not quite midway, but this will get us there over the line. So it'll be a good little chance to have a sit rep after that. Birmingham, a bit of an interesting team, only won three of their 11 home games this year, scoring 13 in 11, really low scoring team. We've only won three of our 11 away games, though, scoring eight. Um, I guess you probably know what you're going to get from a Birmingham team, don't you? Scott Hogan up front, bit of an injury doubt, though, but otherwise they've got Troy Deeney. Um, a few young players like Hannibal and Tai Chong on loan from Man United, but... Um, you 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 you're going to get a bit of a physical battle, a bit of a mental battle. It's probably not going to be the prettiest of games, is it? And probably not going to have loads and loads of goals. No, it's a bit. It's a it's a surprise. You got picked for TV, admittedly. Um, it doesn't sound the most exciting fixture in the world. Again, typical Championship football. Anything could happen in this game. Um, they don't score too many, and we're not great away from home in general. So probably end up sort of free or something like that. Something ridiculous. But we'll see. Um, I just think this it's another game that Reading should be going into it confidently and I would hope that they go and get some points if not win the game. Yeah, this is the sort of game that Reading haven't picked up points in in, in terms of draws in because we've drawn two games at a 20 to all year. Um, whereas you go, Birmingham have drawn more games than they've won and more than they've lost. So it's a bit of a game where perhaps usually you go and take a one-all draw and be fine with it, but that's not really how Reading have rolled this year. But Birmingham have won only one in five. They drew a pretty bad Blackpool team um, on the weekend. So, yeah, I think this is just one that Reading can go in and have a bit of confidence, have a go going. Um, we'll see how the injury situations with Holmes and stuff clears up. I think Hutchinson should be back for it. Um, let's finish off then with some predictions. Wester, you've got your second correct score in a row on the weekend. Um, which is good credit to you. Ben also got the win, so he leads by a point. I had handbags, then it's Sim, and then Westy had moved into fourth after a couple of good uh, couple of good scores. So what do you reckon for this one? I'm going to say uh, one all. I'm going to go for a draw. See, I'm going to go for a one nil Reading win um, because I just fancy it. We're in that we're in in a bit of a it is, it is that classic championship game, isn't it? In so many ways, it's not one that we can really pick out what the defining factor is going to be because it's very easily going to be 
a mistake, an amazing bit of skill from a player who doesn't usually produce it, or it actually could be a, one, a genuinely terrible watch. So, um, yeah. yeah. Do, do you know what? My, my thinking behind it is they drew 0-0 with Millwall at home. And the last game they drew 2-2 last time it was at home against Swansea. So I think 1-1 sits somewhere in the middle. So let's go with that. That's why that's what that was my thinking anyhow. Whether right. I'm right or not, we can find out. <laughs> it's, it's just as much logic as you need when you're predicting scores in the championship, isn't it? This, if, if, if I was a betting man, I wouldn't go anywhere near this game, apart from maybe saying under two and a half goals, because it really isn't a really aren't two teams that score loads of goals when they're, you know, in these home and away circumstances, are they? No, not really. But like I said, any championship football, anything can happen. We might go there and win four, four, five nil. Who knows? Absolutely. Well, uh, yes, thank you for joining us then for this uh, episode of the podcast. Um, we'll be back after the Birmingham game. Have to work out exactly what day because Friday night games kind of encourage us to do an earlier show. But then actually the fact that it's a Saturday doesn't always mean we're necessarily free. We also have got the Christmas special will be coming up as well um, at some point, which we need to get in. That might actually be the post-Birmingham show, um, looking at the calendar. So we might not be too quickly back after the Birmingham show, depending on how we can organise ourselves to get as many people around the table as possible to do our award show that we always like to do at the end of the calendar year. Um, maybe the How the Robson Carnu Underachiever Award might even be getting renamed this year, and there might be a player that can be a that can be worthy of that. Although having seen how I don't know, West, if you saw Robson Carnu at all over the World Cup as a pundit and just saw how incredibly well spoken and earnest he is, I almost feel bad for him calling him an underachiever. <laughs> Do you, know, do you know what I'm going to say about Hal Robson? I used to call him Hal Robson can't do, but uh, he, he lives a charm life, that one. I mean, he, he's, he wasn't the greatest footballer in the world. He'd done one Cruyff turn and scored for Wales, and next thing you know, he's uh, at the World Cup commentating. So it's fair play to him. I mean, someone who was so little talent, he's done really well for himself. <laughs> no, it is. It is, actually. It is. When you when you sit back and think about it as a Redding fan, I think we, we probably have the only point of view that he's not that good out of the entire footballing world. <laughs> so, and we probably know him better than anyone else almost, maybe West Brom fans. So. Sorry, Mark, I always say, you only need one song to make a million, don't you? So he's obviously had his one song. So good, fair play to him. Yeah, one hit wonder. Yeah, credits, credits. Um, Reading, Reading Academy products, we should always be proud of them, shouldn't we? We'll, we'll find, find a way of doing that. So yeah, that's probably when we'll next be back is with the award show. Um, do any, any thoughts, any uh, questions, perhaps even if you want to pop on for the award show, we're always open for that particular show for, for our listeners and everything to, to contribute a bit more than normal. Um, so do get in touch in for that one. Westy, as always a pleasure. Um, if I don't speak to you, if you're not on next week, then have a good Christmas. Thank you very much and good, good Christmas to you and all the listeners. Thank you very much. And hopefully we'll go into the uh, the mid-season, the actual midway point of the championship, the actual Christmas kind of break with three points on Friday night on the telly and then we can all sit back and watch Argentina or France get beaten in the World Cup final. That'd be nice, wouldn't it? (laughs) Thank you for listening and come on your ass.
smile. 